Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Kroger, fresh for everyone. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. Oh, I know. Here we go again. More praise for the UGA defense. But I think in this particular case, it serves a specific purpose that we'll explain. Obviously getting ready for the Deep South's oldest rivalry here on Saturday, Georgia versus Auburn. I am so excited about this entire weekend. Tonight, we got a great high school football game, which we'll talk more about. Calhoun and Blessed Trinity. A lot of big names to know for Georgia fans in this game. So we'll do this tonight over at uh, BT. And then we'll kind of roll over to the Plains on Saturday. We'll get there. We'll do a Kroger kickoff before the game. We'll have our Dog Nation postgame show presented by the UGA Bookstore after the game. Georgia-Auburn, always one of my favorite games of the year. And I just can't wait for Saturday. I'm so excited about that. And in particular, I am very excited as to the role that the Georgia defense is going to play on Saturday in producing what I believe is going to be a UGA victory against Auburn. No need to prolong all of this. I feel good about Georgia on Saturday. I feel like it's going to be a dominant performance from UGA. My assumption is that Georgia keeps pace with the national elite, and those who have praised Georgia thus far will have reason to do so once this game is done. Also interesting to see someone who apparently agrees with me on this, the analyst from CBS Sports, Randy Cross. Randy's, I think, lived in the state of Georgia for a long time. He's a former San Francisco 49er, a guy that's been on the NFL on CBS for a number of years there as well. Now he's kind of become a little bit of a college football analyst there on the CBS Sports Network. I saw some video of him on social media making his prediction for the game as well. And he likes Georgia a lot against Auburn. And the reason why he likes Georgia is, once again, for the same reason everybody else seems to right now, just how stifling this UGA defense is. So so to set us up for a conversation here today, let's let you hear Randy Cross from the CBS Sports Network. Here is Randy. Yeah, I mean, you you look at some stats associated with the University of Georgia right now. I mean, 4.6, nice 40 time, <laughs> pretty good yards per rush, but points per game? Oh. Yeah. Giving up after this far into the season? That's ridiculous. Right. Um, and, and they're favored in this game by more than two touchdowns. And the last 10 years between these two, Georgia's taken care of that favored by thing pretty good. They're eight and two in those ten games. I think Georgia takes this game. They take it by a good bit, more than two and a half touchdowns. So he says Georgia's going to cover the spread easily, and it's going to do so on the back of this Georgia defense, which I think is a very reasonable prediction. That's basically what I assume to be true there as well. But I want to zero in on this just a little bit more for a moment. And I want to talk about what elite defense for Georgia looks like on Saturday. Now, if you ask Kirby Smart that this week, and he was asked, hey, where does the defense need to get better? What do you need to do? And Smart said you need to force more turnovers. Now, I understand why he's saying that. Obviously, every defense would love to be able to give the football back the offense. I get that. But there's also this sense of, for me, that's not quite what I'm looking for. Not that I don't want turnovers in the Georgia defense. It seems somewhat counterintuitive, but if you told me what could I, if I could guarantee something from Georgia the rest of the way, it's almost like I value like the negative plays that Georgia's really good at creating more so than I value the turnovers that maybe Kirby says they haven't you know, created enough of. And you may say, well, yeah, that's not true. But look at a defense like Iowa. First, that's a that's a top five team in this country right now. They play Penn State on Saturday. A lot of folks think they have a chance to shut them down. Uh, Iowa's forced more turnovers than Georgia has this year. You taking the Iowa defense over Georgia's right now? 
I'm not either. I'm, I'm assuming you're saying no to that question. I'm not taking the Iowa defense over Georgia. I'm taking the Georgia defense there. So, you know, I don't know that forcing more turnovers is necessarily the end-all, be-all for how you're going to measure this defense this year. I understand why Kirby Smart says what he says. But to me, you know, th- th- there's probably a better way at looking at this defense. It's the ability to maintain that pressure that matters to me. It's the ability to create those negative plays, whether it be sacks, whether it be tackles for loss. Those are the kinds of things that are just going to be more consistent week to week if you do that well in week three the odds are you're going to do that well in week eight there too look at teams over the course of a season first half compared to the second half a lot of times you know your ability to 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 benefit from turnovers that can be pretty fluid from week to week right that can be a, a feast one week and famine the next week the ability to create those negative plays is just much more consistent which kind of leads you to Saturday and I think there's something really interesting when you think about Georgia against this particular quarterback Bo Nix because there is obviously, and this is just kind of football 101, you don't have to be an X's and O's expert to understand all of this, is that when you try to get that quarterback pressure on Knicks, when you try to create that havoc in the backfield with him, you also create the kind of chaos that a quarterback like Knicks can potentially benefit from. If you watch the LSU-Auburn game last week, as late as it was, the thing didn't start till after 9 p.m. Uh, I feel like it didn't end until almost the next morning. But the point is, if you're watching that game, you're seeing Bo Nix, the Auburn quarterback, fly around all over the place. And the attempt to get past pressure on him created some lanes they could run through or some lanes in which you could keep plays alive. Smart said this week, in some cases, those plays were lasting like eight seconds of, of, of him giving more time for receivers to have a chance to get open and he used his legs to make some big plays and this week on his radio show and I read about this at Saturday on South this week on his radio show LSU coach Ed Orgeron talked about you know kind of the challenge of uh, of, of what Bo Nix brings to the table and how LSU maybe did not handle that as well as it possibly could we have uh, Ed Orgeron here I'm going to read this quote to you because I don't have the audio of the uh, radio show but, but one of the things that, that Orgeron talked about, we'll show this to you on the screen, he says, with the quarterback, it's all about angles. It's all about not jumping. Sometimes we jump when we shouldn't have jumped. That means going after him and getting out of your lane and creating the opportunity for Knicks to have the room to run. Orgeron says, sometimes we took the wrong angle. If you watch the game, you certainly saw that. Once again, you don't have to be a trained eye to notice it. And he says, and other times, uh, we just made some plays. Or He says that Bo Nix just made some plays there against the LSU defense. So what Orgeron says they dealt with with Bo Nix last week, I think sets up an obvious thing for Georgia here on Saturday. You can't let Bo Nix do the same kind of stuff to you, and clearly Georgia's got better personnel. But here's the thing that I think I really want to pay attention to when I'm watching this game on Saturday. There is a temptation when you hear Orgeron say the way that Nix beat them a week ago to say, well, you just got to be fundamentally sound. Then. You've got to be gap sound. You've got you've to create... Um, you know, this integrity where you don't allow Bo Nix to kind of slip out and get the big running plays or the scrambling play that then allows him to make the big throw. But most of you know where I'm going with this, that if that's all you do, then you're also taking away what has been maybe the most effective aspect of the Georgia defense this season, the aggressive way in which it gets after quarterbacks. So here's the thing that I'm watching. Can Georgia get pass pressure on Nix? Can it affect his ability to throw the football? Can it get sacks on him? Can it get tackles for loss on him when he tries to cut up field and run? Can it get the kind of pass pressure on Knicks that it's gotten against every quarterback it's faced this year without allowing Knicks to then slip free and do some of the things with his legs that he did last week against LSU? And 
you know, I was so mad at myself this morning. I was looking for this piece of audio that I used to have, and I just couldn't find it. I even went and looked for it on the internet this morning again and couldn't find it. There was a coaching clip a couple of years ago from Kirby Smart, like a coaching clinic type clip. We've played it on the show. I, I just, I just couldn't, couldn't find, you know, when I've used it before and just couldn't find it. Where Smart was talking about how, you know, you use your personnel to you know, kind of keep a quarterback in the pocket on one side and get after him with pressure on the other. Frequently, that's going to maybe come from the backside. And, you know, clearly this is the kind of thing that Smart has spent a lot of his coaching career thinking about, that you can't sacrifice the pass pressure just because you've got the running quarterback who might slip through. You've really got to be able to do both. And you can't do a true quarterback spy because now you're playing with 10. And, you know, that's kind of an oversimplified version of, of what college football has kind of become about. But that's the thing to watch. Even if we can't diagram schematically how it happens, that's the thing to watch on Saturday. Can this elite Georgia defense, the guys like Randy Cross and CBS are praising and all of us have had reason to praise there as well, can it show how elite it is by also getting the pass pressure on Knicks without allowing him to find that running lane that gives him a chance to kind of scoop through? Because that's how you use a defense's own momentum against it. That's how you use the aggressive nature of a defense against it. And frankly, that's how you allow what should be a Georgia blowout to maybe get a little bit closer. If all of a sudden the athletic quarterback, and you've heard smart praise Knicks athleticism, if all of a sudden the athletic Knicks make something out of what looks to be kind of a busted play, that's how games can become a little tighter a little later. And Georgia's ability to avoid that while also remaining aggressive, to me, if you're calling this defense ridiculous, if you're saying how great it is, that's the way that it would prove that coming up on Saturday. Now, for a moment, let me shift gears and talk about something completely different. A lot of times what I like to do on this show is, we did this with Randy Cross a moment ago, let me give you a survey of what national media is saying, and it leads us to have a conversation and sometimes, as we did on, I think it was yesterday's show with Kirk Herbstreet, sometimes the audio is valuable because of the person who's speaking it. Herbstreet, the most you know, respected, well-known name in college football, his words carry a lot of weight no matter what they are. So sometimes we play the audio because it's the big name who's saying something. Other times we play the audio because of the power of the words themselves. So the audio I'm about to play for you here is not the biggest name in college football. It's a guy named Chris the Bear Felica, who's kind of one of those sideshow guys on ESPN's College Game Day. I like Felica a lot. He's just not as famous as, you know, a guy like Kirk Herbstreet would be. But in his own podcast this week, and I try to listen to a lot of these college football podcasts, just kind of see what's going on around the world. On, on his own podcast this week, he made a very bold claim about Georgia and Alabama that I thought was pretty interesting. Now, I have to admit something to you. I don't fully agree with what Felica is about to say in the audio that you're about to hear. I don't fully agree with him on that, but I do think it sets us up to have this debate here for a moment because if what the Bear, Chris Felica, who you see on Saturdays on ESPN's College Game Day, if what Felica is saying is true, then I think it greatly affects how Georgia should handle its business over the course of the next couple of weeks. So listen to the Bear, Chris Felica, here saying that if Georgia handles its business in the regular season, then it has already punched its ticket to the college football playoff no matter what happens in the SEC championship. This is the Bayer from his podcast on ESPN here this week. Take a listen. There is nothing in my mind that could happen in an SEC championship game between 12-0 Georgia and 12-0 Alabama that would keep the loser of that game out of the playoff. If they're the two best teams all season long, and they just happen to be in the same league, and they have to play each other in the conference championship game, which is an extra game on the schedule, and one one loses to the other, that doesn't mean they're still not one of the best four teams in the country. 
Uh, they, they should both be in the playoff. The winner will be number one, and the loser will be two or three. They won't be four. So what the Bears says at the beginning there that I find to be so interesting is this idea there is nothing that could happen that would keep Georgia or Alabama, whoever lose the SEC championship, out of the playoff. That essentially if Georgia's 12-0, and 0, it's a lock for the college football playoff no matter what happens in the SEC championship game. And I'm just not quite so sure I believe that yet. And to be completely honest with you, I think that if George were to beat Alabama, it's far easier for me to imagine the committee putting Alabama in the college football playoff because they've done that before. In 2017, they put Alabama in the playoff despite the fact that it wasn't the SEC champion, despite the fact that it didn't even qualify for the SEC championship game. They've treated Alabama with respect before, and I think most people would say it was respect earned, but that's what's gone on. In the case of George in the past, think about 2018 for a moment, when you had guys like Kirk Herbstreit on ESPN television arguing that Georgia was one of the best four teams, Georgia never really had much of a real chance of being one of those final four, despite the fact that it played Alabama down to the wire, what was a really good football game. You know, Georgia just was going to get that level of respect from the committee at 2018. The, the committee has just shown you that they are willing to treat Alabama different than they're willing to treat Georgia. So if Alabama beats Georgia, Georgia's the SEC runner-up, I still am kind of on guard for the possibility that Georgia might be excluded from the college football playoff. I certainly don't think it's a lock and a guarantee the way that you hear the Bear Chris Felica saying it is right there. The flip side of that, if it's Georgia who beats Alabama, the notion that then Georgia would have to to beat Alabama twice, Alabama would still get the nod into the college football playoff, then yeah, I sort of see uh, you know that as a little bit more likely. So I, I'd love to hear from you on what you think about what Felica says there. But for the sake of conversation here for a moment, Let's assume that the Bear is right. Let's assume that, hey, Georgia really is distancing itself from the rest of the country thus far this year. Alabama's doing the same thing. And so, therefore, the SEC championship is only about seeding. It's simply a matter of who gets the one seed and who gets the two or three seed. And, you know, ultimately there's not a huge degree of difference, at least in this current framework for the playoff. But that's really all the SEC championship ends up being about. If that's true, then clearly that changes a lot about the way that you handle your quarterback situation over the course of the next few weeks. Because while I am greatly skeptical of Georgia's ability to win an SEC championship against an Alabama, to win a national championship with its backup quarterback, no disrespect to Stetson Bennett, I just think that's a very difficult task to do. I don't know that any team in the country could do that. In fact, I'm pretty sure they couldn't, uh, currently anyway. Uh, while I am skeptical of Georgia's ability to win a championship with a backup quarterback, the honest truth is, I'm not that skeptical of Georgia's ability to go 12-0 and with a backup quarterback. I think that Georgia's easily on pace to handle Auburn on Saturday, assuming Stetson Bennett plays. This is a very tough road game. Uh, in a lot of ways, this is one of the toughest games that Georgia has left, given the venue combined with the opponent. So if you feel like that, that you can beat Auburn with Bennett, then I think you feel even better about Kentucky next week. And yes, I know there's a chance that Kentucky's undefeated. And yes, I know there's a chance that's a highly rated Wildcats uh, team and you're playing for the SCCEs. But I still think that Georgia could beat Kentucky with Stetson Bennett. I, 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 I do there in that scenario. I even think that uh, Georgia could beat Florida with Stetson Bennett. I don't really want that to be the case. I want JT Daniels to get a chance to do what he didn't do a year ago, which is play against Florida. But if he really had to, I think that Bennett could, could beat Florida. And obviously where I'm going with all of this is that if you can buy that additional time for JT Daniels, knowing that you've already proven enough, you're distancing yourself from the rest of the country enough to know that Daniels can now buy all the time he needs to get healthy and then be ready for the December and January games that matter most. 
Imagine how luxurious that would be for Georgia to realize that's the opportunity that it has for itself. It is why, as I told you earlier this week, the debate around the college football playoff really matters because the continual need to remind the rest of the country, the committee, the media, all the people that influence the opinions here in college football, to remind folks just how large the gap is between Georgia and everybody else not named Alabama The more that you can convince people of the truth of that, the more you do give yourself the luxury to allow Daniels to rest, prove your elite by winning games with your backup quarterback, and then hold out hope that the time you're giving JT allows him to be a much healthier version of himself once you get to the kind of games that you now have to win and need an elite quarterback to be able to do so. Do I think that Georgia can go 12-0 if Bennett plays every game the rest of the way? I kind of do. Does that guarantee Georgia a spot in the playoff? I'm not quite so sure about that. Uh, The Bear Chris Felic from ESPN emphatically says that it does. I think this is a topic worth exploring, both in terms of how healthy Daniels is, how much rest could benefit him, and what Georgia can prove, possibly this week and for a bunch of weeks yet to come, with its backup quarterback. That might be the way that Georgia is showing itself to be elite right now, that with the quarterback that the rest of the country didn't think would be in this spot, right now Georgia is – churning and burning all these big games week after week after week another reason why saturday really matters to the georgia bulldogs a chance to make a big statement my name's brandon adams and this is dog nation daily the daily podcast for georgia bulldogs fans were presented by kroger and glad to have you with us no matter how you get to us today live on video 10 a.m facebook youtube twitter twitch 9 45 the morning for first and 15 there at dognation.com and the dog nation app really appreciate you being with us of course radio noon athens sports radio 960 the ref podcast form wherever you find them all the podcast players just really happy to have you with us and big thanks to our friends at kroger for making it all possible you know as we roll through the football season the month of october you can feel the difference there it just business kind of picks up once you get to this month but also we're heading towards halloween there as well now at my house that's a big deal too uh Halloween, I mean, I just think that my kids love Halloween as much as they love Christmas. A lot of you probably feel the same way. You have you know family that feels the same way and all that. And so don't forget, Kroger, the place to go for that. 30% savings you can get right now on like the candy and the decor and really everything that you need to make that uh, Halloween really special for you and your family. It's a tradition for us. We take the shopping carts, we load them up, we get all the stuff. You know, we like to do the big bucket of candy on the outside because obviously we're going around the neighborhood with our own kids and they're getting candy from everybody else so we kind of try to do the honor system big bucket and we try to do name brand candy we like to do the grab bag type things so we kind of take that pretty seriously we try to be generous on that side so we get all of our stuff from kroger because we get great savings and all that you should do the same thing kroger.com slash halloween for more on that it's kroger.com slash halloween all right, Jeff Sintel in a moment, and we'll get a, boy, gigantic update from Jeff Sintel on, and it's going to be like five-star, 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 a lot of five-star names to speak about with Jeff here in a little bit. We'll also get a preview with Jeff of our great game on uh, TV tonight between Calhoun and Blessed Trinity on Peachtree TV. Just a terrific football game. I'm so f- looking forward to being part of that. Our, busty, our buddy Rusty Manziel going to be with us on that there too. Just going to be a great, great time on tv tonight can't wait for that before that though let's go around the doghouse and it's presented today by marco's pizza now i am in firm belief that stetson bennett the georgia quarterback who's i'm assuming is going to start on saturday i have been wrong with my assumptions before but i'm assuming that bennett starts on saturday i am firmly of the belief that bennett has already achieved 
like true DGD status. You know DGD, damn good dog. You know you understand all of that. It's kind of an unofficial designation. It's not the same thing as having your jersey retired or being in the circle of honor or anything like that. Some people come DGDs for a long time contribution for Georgia. Sometimes people become DGDs because of a simple thing they did, and maybe it was just one instance of, of, of that, and it's the kind of thing that makes them beloved by the program forever. There's no doubt in my mind that, that Stetson Bennett is a DGD. And it's not just because he's played well. It's because of how he's handled himself while he's been at Georgia. But also playing well is a part of this too. You know, there's something that I said a week, a year ago uh, around this time that's gotten some attention here this week. One of the things I talked about on last year's show uh, at a time in which Bennett was getting a lot of criticism from fans for for whatever reason, the one thing I tried to point out a year ago is if you look at Bennett's big performance last season, probably came against Auburn. Auburn was a top 10 ranked team when they came into Athens last year. And if you look at his overall numbers, he was 17 for 28 for 240 yards and a touchdown there last year against Auburn. You compare that to the three Jake Fromm games in 2019, 2018, 2017, the Jacob Eason performance in 2016, go back to Grayson Lambert in 2015, go back to Hudson Mason in 2014. That if you look at the last one, two, three, four, five, six years of Georgia quarterback performances prior to uh, Bennett's game last year against Auburn, none of those quarterbacks had a better game against Auburn than what Stetson Bennett had. You literally have to go back to the Aaron Murray era to find someone playing better against Auburn last season than what Stetson Bennett did. We talked about that a, a year ago here on this show. And like I said before, it's kind of gotten some attention there this week. And it's just a reminder that Georgia's incredibly fortunate. Georgia is incredibly fortunate to have a backup quarterback who has shown the capabilities that Bennett has shown. And people are going to say, well, what about the limitations? I, I've told you before, I think he throws too many interceptions or you know, whatever else you want to point to. But there's also a reason why a guy's a backup as opposed to a starter, that, that all you're doing is explaining the reason why if Georgia had a fully healthy JT Daniels, he'd get the nod over Bennett. That's not a knock on Bennett. It's just a fact. There is a depth chart. Some guys rank higher on that than others. Daniels ranks higher than Bennett. But last Saturday, JT Daniels wasn't available to UGA. There's a very good chance that Daniels isn't available to Georgia again this Saturday there as well. And there are a lot of teams, think preseason top 10 Texas A&M, think I think even Alabama, given the lack of depth that it has its quarterback position. There are a lot of teams that if they were forced to be in the same situation that Georgia is, is currently in, they would not be having the same level of success. Bennett has handled himself with great class. He has stuck around, even when he admitted over the course of the weekend that he almost left. He chose to stick around. He chose to be a part of it. He's apparently gotten very limited reps in practice, even before some of the games that he's played a lot in. He's just found a way to kind of be that gamer when Georgia really needs for him to be. And, you know, given a chance to kind of toot his own horn, pat himself on the back on Saturday about, you know, kind of what you know he had done against Arkansas coming in and sort of saving Georgia's bacon once again, instead tried to pivot, you know, more towards like a team first type deal. You really get the impression that whether it was, you know, walk-on scout team quarterback in 2017 or you know starting quarterback in 2020 or kind of whatever Georgia needs him to be in 2021 that Bennett really enjoys being a part of this team here is Bennett himself talking about his team first attitude I don't think I'm any different than anybody else on the team I mean my job is yeah I mean I, I don't think I'm any different than anybody else on the team I mean my job is you know team first um team first um you know, whatever it takes for us to win, um, that's what I'm going to do, and that's what everybody else on this team is going to do. That's what I think makes this team this year so special. 
I love to hear that from Bennett. That's an attitude from players I enjoy celebrating. And it's another chance for him on Saturday to have another big performance against Auburn. And i got to tell you, if Bennett adds to his lore, I think it puts him on an even more kind of like rarefied level of of DGD status playing as well as he's been playing as Georgia's backup quarterback. I told you a moment ago that Georgia might have the luxury of letting Daniels rest for a while if it wants to in terms of getting even healthier for what might be a a December to remember after that with uh, Daniels there at the helm. That can only be true because of the things that Bennett's currently doing for UGA. So I'd love to be seeing JT Daniels on Saturday. I don't think we're going to, but if we did, I'd be thrilled about that because I think that Daniels is one of the best quarterbacks in the country. But if he's not available, man, I think Georgia fans ought to be incredibly grateful to have a capable backup. I believe they are. Stetson Bennett's already declared himself and proven himself to be a a DGD and another chapter added to that story on Saturday. I think that sounds like a pretty fun subplot to all of this. That is Around the Doghouse. It's delivered today by our friends at Marco's Pizza. And of course, as you're heading towards the weekend, Marco's Pizza, a great thing to take with you for all that, whether you're watching us on Petri TV, CBS 46 to 9, a little pizza in your lap always goes really well for that. College guys on Saturday, the pros on Sunday, Braves baseball this afternoon. Uh, How about a little playoff baseball with a little bit of Marco's Pizza to go along with that? The point is, whatever you're doing this weekend, Marco's Pizza is a great thing to do it with because it's authentic flavor, right? It's that golden brown crust baked perfectly each and every time. It's three melty cheeses on top. It's old world toppings, the sausage, the pepperoni, all that great stuff. And it's great savings there as well. And that's one of the most important things about Marco's Pizza, including the bundle right now. How about a long large one-topping pizza along with the pizza bowl which is like the pizza flavor without the crust and the cheesy bread all for just $21.99 when you're feeding a bunch of hungry mouths like we have in our family that bundle that great savings is always a big thing for us so make sure you check that out today you can use the marcos app marcos.com marcos pizza pizza lovers get it all right before we are done in today's program it's kind of become kind of a tradition for us on friday the Almost like, the, you know, you've, you've heard of like the Friday news dump. We have a Friday shoes dump around here where we have like some really funny golden shoes. Part of this is I just kind of get behind during the week in terms of giving due honor to those who deserve it. So we'll do that before we're done today. Some really, really fun golden shoes on the way out the door on a Friday. But before that, though, got to get serious. Got to get game faces on for a big, big recruiting update. It's on the road, assisted by AAA with Jeff Sintel. Five-star, 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 five-star. We'll try to talk about them all. Let's do it now with Jeff Sintel on the road, assisted by AAA here on Dog Nation Daily. And, of course, good to have all of you with us, too. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. We'll say hello to Jeff Sintel as we go on the road. This is by AAA. Happy to be on the road with Jeff here a little bit this weekend, too. Uh, over to a Blessed Trinity here tonight. And then uh, the Plains on Saturday, they call it the loveliest village on the Plains. I've never quite found it to be quite so lovely, but I am still excited about going there on uh, Saturday to see Georgia beat up on Auburn. Before that, we'll do a little recruiting talk here right now. Jeff, appreciate you being with us today. Hope you're getting ready for what's going to be a very busy weekend, but a uh, good one there at that. And so I'm glad to have you with us here as we get ready for it. Brandon, man, it's it's an exciting time to uh, be alive, man. Um, covering all this stuff, I mean, what a treat, man! Cole Spear and Justice Haynes tonight, Calhoun and Blessed Trinity are the bigger picture there. They both have strong programs around them, um, man. And then the game on the game on uh, Saturday, I can tell you, Brandon, 
I've been, I've been punching that clock this week, man. There's a lot of stuff to get to in terms of recruiting updates. Yeah, no question about that. Let's start with five-star wide receiver Luther Burden. Powerful story with him. Obviously, you had a chance to visit with him in his home there in uh, East St. Louis, and he's been through a lot. Uh, that community over the years has seen a lot, and you know that's part of the motivation that he kind of has as a player here. We're interested in that, and you know, admittedly, we're also interested in kind of you know what his ultimate destination is going to be there too. This is one of those that. For a long time, I you know didn't know how seriously to take George and all of this, but man, you can't quite shake the idea that the dogs very much seem to to be in this for Burden right now. So, give me your thumbnail for kind of how things are, are are going for Burden and also Burden as a young man there too. Yeah, um, I mean, Brandon, I, I don't, I guess I kind of show my age here when I start sitting there saying, you know, I've been doing this for over twenty years. And- I don't, I'm not, I'm not used to, and I, hopefully I'll never get used to hearing young people kind of say the things that the, the folks at St. East St. Louis did, man. Um, that's a community. What we documented is it's probably one of the most dangerous. When you combine St. Louis and East St. Louis, it's one of the most dangerous in the country. Um, and, and there's one quote, if you haven't read it, guys, if you, if you want to, if you want to read something, really read something, I, I, I mean, I seek that out on dognation.com because, um, there's type of stories that when you write it and you file it, there's a little piece of you that's inside it. And there's a little piece of me inside that because hearing these young people talk about fear and death and tragedy. I mean, these young men, Brandon, casually talk about um, Miles McVeigh, another guy Georgia really likes. He's going to be visiting Georgia that same weekend when Burden's on his official. He, he, he said earlier this year he saw a shooting and he's driving to school and he sees a shooting. And he, you know, what do you do? What's the honest young person's reaction there do you do you flee do you are you scared do you is it flight is it fear and he's just like man i just kept driving and put my head down and had to get to class because i didn't want to be late to class and you know for for those young people that have to treat something like that as like a traffic accident i mean god bless them i mean what they what they deal with and i talked to one of his mentors uh and he says i want you to get a camera in luther burden's face if you can and look at his eyes. And it's like, when you see his eyes, you'll see that he's running from something. He's running from something. He's fearful. And, and Luther basically told me his motivation is to escape his surroundings. He doesn't want to put up statistics, although he does that every time he, he, he touches a football. He doesn't want to become a statistic. And, you know, for, for Luther, um, it's really down to Georgia and Mizzou. Mizzou's the local option. It's about two hours away. Um, they want him to come rebuild the franchise, so to speak, with another talented receiver in this class and in St. Louis, man. But you know, there's so much gobs of information I could put in that story. His dad was a great basketball player for St. Louis University. He almost made the Indiana Pacers. Um, they wanted him to go to the CBA, but he didn't. He got his life got sidetracked when he didn't have his dream right there in front of him. Uh, his coaches, the youth coaches, Brandon, tell me that he was only an outside shot away from being a one-and-done player to the NBA. That's how talented he wow. was in basketball. Nobody nobody can keep him away from the rim. His first step, they use words like Iverson to, des- to describe his quickness. Um, and he's a football player. And he's a football player that kicks off. He punts. Um, he returns punts. He returns kicks. Some, somehow, I guess, people in Illinois don't have the Internet. But he's taken like six punt returns back huh. so far this year. And the folks keep kicking it to him. And, and, and really, here's where Georgia is is in a, I guess I would say, in a pole position. 
He's going to visit Missouri this this weekend. I think it's for North Texas. It'll be a noon game. And then he makes his decision on October the 19th. And before that, he's taking his official visit to Georgia that weekend. So Georgia, they're going to win this thing. They're going to have all the all the ducks lined up in order to do so. And um, He told me best visit he's ever had uh, was to Georgia this summer. He so- told me about how he's had man-to-man talks with Cortez Hankton. I really think Georgia is very strongly in that one for uh, Luther Burden III. Yeah, so in the story, there's obviously a lot about his relationship with Hankton. And I guess to kind of kind of go back even prior to that, for people who maybe haven't been following this the entire time or maybe haven't had a chance to you know read your story yet, what's the genesis of all of this? How did Hankton get in good with him to begin with, other than Georgia's typically interested in most, you know, you know, high – high five stars is it simply a matter of the five-star recruit was looking at the program a lot of the five stars are going to or you know how was it that hankton was able to get in good with a with a with a guy like burden here is there a is there an origin story to all this well you know brendan if this comes to be and i don't know if you spoke anything into the universe here regarding luther burden the third but uh when georgia started recruiting him he was committed to oklahoma um, Luther Burden was committed to Oklahoma for over a year, almost a year. I think it's 11 months. I think it goes September to August. And uh, he said Missouri and Georgia just started talking to him, and that made him want to pump the brakes a little bit and see what else was out there. There was nothing that Oklahoma did. He says nothing you will, nothing dropping the ball. But I think things with Georgia and Luther Burden kind of turned over the summer when Munkin was talking to him a lot. Kirby was talking to him a lot. Hankton was talking to him a lot. And he just he said something to me, Brandon, that just seems so normal, but it seems different. He just talked about Kirby Smart and Cortez Hankton as men, and he just says, you know, those are just a bunch of really good guys down there, really good men. It, it was how he said it. I wish I could ever, ever drop audio transcripts into our stories where you would press a button where you could – I know you like to look through the quotes and try to – magnify them to say that's what I'm looking for the family word or or whatever the way he said that was just like a young man that's not used to that or the young man that's not expecting that and of course George's facilities turned him on a dime uh and and remember when he was kind of thinking about Georgia it was still Georgia was selling and and telling you know like I told everybody we're going to be different we're going to feed the ball we're going to be more explosive we're going to throw it up we're going to put the ball in the air I know people remember that 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 little catchphrase there. Put the ball in the air on your um, on your broadcast for many many years. I think it will stay with us. But uh, Georgia did that, and kind of before they they put the proof out there. And now Georgia's put the proof out there. Um, there was one story I think I had to slip that one in there. But Luther Burden was on. Uh, they were playing St. John Bosco in Bellflower, California. And that St. John Bosco is one of the nation's. Blue Blood, top 10 programs on anybody's list. And uh, Bosco was playing East St. Louis. And everybody knows by now Bosco has Ernest Green the third, sure. who's the offensive lineman that Georgia really wants. And Luther comes up to him at the coin toss, and the guys had really never met. Maybe they conversed via social media or text or whatever. And he goes up to Georgia. He goes up to, he goes up to Ernest Green, and he goes, I guess this is LB3 talking to EG3 to, to save some time on your program. But he goes, go dogs, question mark, huh. at the coin flip, Brandon, at the coin flip. And then uh, Ernest Green was kind of, he kind of, he got, uh, yeah. And, he, and, and uh, the way Luther described it, he was kind of like, 
maybe bashful or kind of like, yeah, I guess, and just kind of shook his head. But I just think if you want a snapshot of Georgia recruiting being worse than bonkers right now, meaning bonkers in the good Munson way, uh, you have two recruits uh, meeting in a game in California, one's from Illinois, one's from California, and before the kickoff of a nationally televised high-impact game amongst top 50 programs, one of the players who actually was a receiver said, go dogs, question mark, to the other one when both of them are really considering Georgia strongly. And I just thought, man, things are going good for that, that, that team down in Athens right now. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's fun to think about. And a lot of this, obviously, coming off a, a big week of uh, visits, going back to the Arkansas game last Saturday, especially for a noon game, incredibly impressive. I want to kind of carve out the Travis Hunter thing and put that to the side and do that in a moment. Let me hit some of these others, and you've written about a lot of these guys, Mikael Williams and uh, Shamar Stewart, obviously Big Bear Alexander. You know, Big Bear is always going to be really prominent in all of this. I mean, it, it certainly seems like Georgia used that television window, that that big platform. They used it to sell themselves well with these guys this week. You've had a chance to talk to all those names that I just mentioned. What did you make of their response to having been in Athens? Kind of a lot. And, you know, I'm kind of trying to compare what I'm seeing now, Brandon, and hearing now to, you know, maybe what has been the most high-water marks for Georgia recruiting at this time. And, and you know, talking to all those five stars in a row, I almost try to see, like, okay, let me try if I, if I can think of the five biggest storylines right now in Georgia recruiting. And let, let me see if I can put them on the pages of dognation.com this week. And, and I guess where my mind goes is this, Brad, and out of all those stories you read, which one of those do you think sounds where maybe you learn the most or maybe it seems like you've got one of those moods where it's like, wow, Georgia's really in this thing? Or what do you think, Georgia, all the stuff you, that's been on the site this week, was there one guy in particular that you were like, wow, I didn't know Georgia was in it like that with that guy? Well, the thing with Big Bear seems to just be getting more and more real. And, you know, you talk about trying to, like, speak something to existence. And obviously, you know, over the course of time, I've, I've done that. But also as someone who has a preferred outcome here, I want Georgia to get these recruits. There's also a part of me that tries to keep it very real in terms of what I expect to happen. I'm talking about for, like, months now, almost going on a year. You know, I always kind of pivot back to – you know, Texas A&M's going to be hard to beat for Big Bear. Texas A&M's going to be hard to beat for Big Bear. I've said that over and over again. All of a sudden now, I guess I find me, myself saying that a little bit less. Because the honest truth is, like, I, I, I never really thought Mikhail Williams was going to go to USC. I, I didn't know for a fact he's going to go to Georgia. Still don't. But these guys just don't go out west. And they're just not happy when they do. So the Williams thing was always going to be the kind of thing that had a chance to evolve over the course of time. But the Big Bear thing was always going to be one of those things that to me looked like a very, very difficult recruitment that George was likely to take the silver medal on, and there's no such thing as silver medals in recruiting. And it was going to be a bunch of effort that you didn't really know produced really any results to speak of whatsoever. I don't feel that way anymore. Based on what you've you know, written with Big Bear, based on his responsiveness to you know, talk about some of this kind of stuff, I just sort of feel like you're just way more – uh, you know, uh, willing to to consider the possibility that Georgia might really go head to head. You know, for Alexander, part of this was to, on the on home turf for the Aggies. Now he's an IMG, which probably increased the chance of that maybe a little bit more. But he just takes too many visits to Georgia not to take this very very seriously. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it, Brandon. I, I kind of 
we sometimes we try to write stories and we hope the reader just kind of picks up on it. Uh, I, I, I know everybody thought I, I'll be I'll be totally transparent and candid. We wrote something about Big Bear after his visit to Georgia in June. Remember, he commits on National Signing Day for the 2021 class. That's the old school signing day. And I, I sat in a room with Bear. Um, there was reverence in his mind when he talked about how honored it would be to be wearing number 99 for Georgia. And he he, he made the quote. Uh, we put it in a headline. Everybody was you know gave me some clap back after the events came to be. They were like, you know, he said he had red red, red and black running through his veins. Um, and to me, that did not feel fake. That did not feel staged. Uh, if if not, maybe Big Bear needs to go into acting along with Christian Miller because he'd re- he'd be really stinking good at it if that was no that was not on the level. But with Bear, I think you got I think you put your finger on the right point there. I think to me, um, when he moved out of Texas and he went to IMG Academy, I think that was a reset button on any leverage anybody had in this recruiting race now for Big Bear Alexander. I, I, I could no longer, in my mind, view Texas A&M as the favorite because they were no longer the home team. Uh, he was no longer living in Texas. He was no longer had the ability to go see Texas plenty of time. Unofficials, officials. Uh, and now I think this race has just gotten doggone interesting as it will go to January the 2nd now. Um, you, you see Bear. You saw him at the stadium on Sanford Stadium. Uh, everybody knows him. Brandon, that, that sign. I don't. I never even asked you this, but, like, you tweeted out a picture of we want bear. Sure. And, you know, it's funny in the, I don't know where you found it. I don't know if you were on the field and you captured it with your own camera phone, but like, uh, it's funny. They're in the stands and this is just so 2021 story, man. They're in the stands. Michael Williams is on his phone. Michael Williams is on his phone and he sees that across social media. He sees that picture. Of we want bear. Okay. Michael tells bear Alexander, Hey man, look, they love them some bear. And Bear sees that in the stadium on a phone, not in the stadium. He never he never saw it live. I don't think Mikel ever saw it live. They saw it on a phone inside the stadium. And you want to talk about goodwill? You want to talk about – I mean, it's kind of the thing now. Like, schools are having to, to navigate around some rules, Brandon, yeah. where, you know, you can't, you can't promote things, but how do they control students? I mean, last week in South Carolina, there were students that painted Oscar Delp's name on their bodies. I wonder what the NCAA thinks about that. Is that a is that a is that a minor secondary tertiary violation or whatever? While at a game event, you have fans that are they're fans and they're students, but they're not you know they're not you know kind of christened by the university or in charged by the university to do so. And you've got them body paint. You got signs. Everybody saw Arch Manning, and you know then Brandon. I think last weekend I thought a lot of our viewers on hedges gave me some feedback that they were, they were really intrigued by that seating chart thing at the game. Yeah. And Kamari, Kamari Wilson had a front row seat. Mikel Williams had a front row seat. Uh, Mikel Williams actually had better seats than Big Bear Alexander. Uh, uh, better seats than a lot of guys, including uh, the uh, carved out discussion we're about to have soon on Travis Hunter. Well, and also, you know, people should just know that, you know, I may be dumb, but I'm not stupid. Like, I shared the big bear, you know, uh, sign from last week that I, that I and I had seen it from when I was on the field, but I purposely did not tag Bear Alexander in the tweet because I'm gonna stay out of this. You know what I'm saying? It's one of those things like, and I knew that a thousand people in the replies would tag him for me, so I didn't have to. But like, I am not going to myself do any recruiting on behalf of Georgia. I just want to. I, I am just simply here to let folks know, hey, these signs exist. There are people, you know, because that wasn't the only one. It was just the one I could get the easiest, you know, picture of. 
But, uh, you know, I'm just going to let the world know that these signs are out there. And then, you know, I'm going to trust the Internet will do its thing and, and get the information to where it needs to be in the eyes of the young men themselves. But uh, I will not be a conduit for that. I am simply going to be uh, someone who just kind of puts it out in the universe and lets it travel after that. The man who puts things out in the universe, Brandon. We should put that. We should get a Dog Nation T-shirt or something like that with one a, a catchphrase on that. Because uh, man, you got you got a good streak with some of that lately, and and it's amazing how the little things matter. And it's amazing, you know. And listen, Bears told me that he's been to a bunch of he's been to you know Georgia for Clemson. He's now been to Georgia for the Arkansas game, and he, he, he's really like they know him. They know who he is. Maybe the sunglasses or the six foot three and a half and 323 pounds give it away in the barrel chest but everybody knows his name for sure when he's on the campus of the university of georgia or anywhere maybe he's now getting into the airports now man and you want to talk about a level playing field now i feel like this race uh will kind of be a level playing field going down between uh texas a&m and georgia now for big bear alexander all right, no doubt about that. Uh, Jeff Sintel here. Uh, we're uh, on the road by AAA with uh, Jeff Sintel here today, and uh, glad to have all of you with us. And uh, as you said before, Jeff, wanted to talk a little bit about the fact that Travis Hunter was there. You uh, wrote about this at DogNation.com, kind of spotted, and obviously Hunter also uh, sustained an injury going back to um, – going back to Friday, so our, our continued prayers for him for a recovery on that and hope to hear more good news on that in the weeks to come. But for Hunter, who's the Florida State commit, and I think, I mean, we, we saw him on Petrie TV going back to Rome High School uh, a couple of weeks ago and just as dominant a guy as you've seen, defensive back, wide receiver, everything else in between. But he's also been as rock solid with um, with Florida State as anyone could be there as well to the point where he said – you know, I wouldn't even listen if Nick Saban called me. Georgia kind of the same way on that. But you can't help but notice the Seminoles are pretty wretched right now. Hunter was in the building uh, this past Saturday. Does it mean anything right now that this elite prospect, arguably the best in the country, certainly the best in the state, was at UGA when he has been so rock solid as a Florida State commit? Brandon, I think you're right to say best in the country, best in the state. He's just special. I think if he was a – a pure wide receiver rating. I think guys like uh, Evan Stewart and Luther Burden would get dropped down maybe a slot because I think he'd be the number one receiver, maybe number two receiver, number number one corner, um, five-star. And I, I, either way you want to split that right there. Um, I think here's what it means. I think it means he gave Georgia a look and Georgia got a chance when maybe his eyes had been closed to other schools. Now, it's funny. On It's funny. I think that the only interviews that Travis Hunter granted this week were – he made comments on social media on Instagram posts that says he's still, you know, they can go 0 and 12, they can go 2 and 10. He's still locked. He's still locked to Florida State. And I know we've always trained ourselves to say never say never in recruiting, but gosh, Travis Hunter was the guy that made you think. No, nah, he really sounds like it's never. And you know, maybe there's a sliver. I, I, I don't do percentages because, like I said, no, no no recruit ever says, "Hey, man, here's the percentage." Um, but. Georgia at least got a chance to, to turn his head. And I don't think things will develop unless Georgia does that multiple times. Uh, him and Quayshon Sapp, Quayshon Sapp's another really good guy. And most years I think he'd be a guy that signs with Georgia. Yeah. It's just he realizes the chance to be a, a team leader and a freshman. Uh, big piece of that program at Florida State, his first season is already there for the taking where it might wait. You might wait about two years at Georgia, regardless of your ranking. Um 
and, and he, both of those two young men were at Georgia on Saturday, and both of those two young men still seem united. Uh, and a lot of times in recruiting, it, 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 these are these impressionable 18-year-old boys, 17, 18, 19-year-old boys. Everything is still, like in this case, everything is going to be Florida State all the way until it's not. That's just the way they kind of start and stop on a dime. And I, I think, you know, folks are getting encouraged. And i gotta, I got to warn folks out there that if you start getting in that Travis Hunter business and you start wishing that stuff into existence, as splendid of a player as he might be, well, there's a lot of other defensive backs, that cornerbacks that Georgia has its eyes on in this class, Jaheen Singletary, uh, Julian Humphrey, another guy, the Florida commitment that yeah, was there. That's really enjo- really enjoy- Really enjoyed his time in Athens. Uh, that's going to start, you know, causing a little ripples with everything else that maybe the Georgia Bulldogs have cooking with a lot of those other elite prospects as well. And, of course, Quayshon Sapp, the name that Jeff mentions there, the offensive lineman from Lee County, the Florida State commit. I think Sapp's made it pretty clear that Florida State told him he could play from the word go. They need offensive linemen terribly. And so that was a pitch that seemed to work pretty well on Sapp on all of that. It's on the road. It's just to buy a AAA with Jeff Sintel. Of course, we love talking recruiting here each and every week. It's an important topic for us. But there are also topics more important than that, too, believe it or not. One of those is how you take care of your family you know i'm the kind of person that in my income helps fund my family right my spouse takes care of her takes care of my children there as well and one of the things i do think about is what would happen if i was gone what would happen if that that income went away would my family be taken care of in in those situations and that's why you know triple a is so important in all of this because you know their life insurance specialists their financial services experts can help give you all the life insurance options that are available to you, make the right decision to do the thing that you need to do, which is take care of your family while you're alive, but also in the event of, unfortunately, your death, if you were gone, making sure your family is still taken care of even after that there as well. So a few different ways for you to get in touch with AAA to learn more about what they have going on for you. You can give them a call. It's 866-695-0. That's 866-695-0222. You can stop by and see them locally at one of the AAA offices, or you can go to the website. It's aaa.com slash life. That's aaa.com slash life for a lot more on that. We mentioned Quayshon Sapp a moment ago from Lee County. Of course, we saw Lee County a couple of weeks ago on uh, Petrie TV for the game. Really very impressive showing for Warner Robbins. That was a fun one. Tonight, Jeff sets up to be an incredibly fun one there as well with Cole Spear, UGA committed wide receiver. we got to get him out of that Yellow Jackets uniform. You know, it's hard enough watching, uh, uh, no disrespect to the Calhoun Yellow Jackets, of course, but uh, Georgia fans see Luther Burton a moment ago, the orange and blue of Florida for his high school uniform. Spear, the UGA commit. Uh, Yellow Jackets as the uh, nickname. You have to get used to some of that kind of stuff when it comes to the high school side of things every now and then. But Spear for Calhoun. We talked to Veron Haynes in our program yesterday about his son, Justice Haynes, the running back for Blessed Trinity. There's a huge UGA flair to our game tonight on Peachtree TV and streaming at CBS46.com. I think this is going to be a really fun one for dog fans in particular. Yeah. I mean, uh, Justice is an impressive back. The things he's done, the workload he's managed. Uh, we'll have a story that goes up on Justice uh, pretty soon on DogNation.com. But, I, I, you know, the, the more I see Justice, the more I'm around him. Everybody knows he's a Georgia legacy. If you could ever, if you could ever get in a lab and you could mix a lot of Chubb with a lot of DeAndre Swift, Maybe maybe throw in a few pinches of James Cook here. I think that's what you have here in Justice Haynes. I mean, the way he works, now he's not as powerful as Chubb, but so 
athletic. Nobody ever really gets a good shot on him. I mean, Brandon, this this guy's is, is is this guy has more carries than you have shows during the fall, man. That's what that's what he's got going on. I mean, it's very. I, I think against Eagles Landing Christian, the coaches were telling me a couple weeks ago, where they were like, um, I think they charted 27, 28 carries for Justice Haynes in the first half, and. Eagles Landing was up like twenty-one to nothing, trying to make it twenty-seven to seven or something like that. And uh, Blessed Trinity jumps a fumble, and then they get back in the game and they storm back, and Blessed Trinity wins. I think, and there was a point where the the staff just stopped counting because they were like, they're like, okay, he's already got thirty-three carries in the third quarter. He's going to break down, or he's going to he's going to get tired. And then he just kept breaking and gashing gashing carries on his way to I think three hundred yards and maybe four or five touchdowns or something like maybe three touchdowns. And they were just like, you know, and what's that old adage that I know it seems counterproductive to a long NFL and long college career, but remember the things you used to hear about Earl Campbell and Ricky Williams and even Darren Fadden, even the great Herschel Walker, like they get stronger in the fourth quarter. Well, really what happens is that running back should be the better athlete, and they're just not tired by the time the fourth quarter rolls around after the physics and massive inertia of an offensive line pounding on them the whole time. Uh, they just retain their, their peak ability a little bit more. And the way Justice performs, the way he takes care of his body, the way he works. I mean, this young man, Brandon, it's very typical for him to go go to school, have a practice, work out during school, work out before school, and then go to work with his specific trainer, uh, Coach Earl Williams in, in Swanee, after all that. Yeah, he studies at the same time, too. He tries to get all that in there. But uh, he really – like, this is a, the most – the most accurate, quickest thing I can say about Justice Haynes is he is training every day of his life like he is a a junior declaring early entry for the draft, yeah. expecting to go in the first round. He trains every day of his life like the combine is two months away or a month away. And when he gets to the point when it finally becomes that time where the combine's a month away from him, he's just going to smash everything he needs to do in terms of being that legitimate franchise tailback that everybody wants to have in their offense and on the other side with Cole Spear here for a moment doing my due diligence on him Jeff I think the one thing that Georgia fans are going to be really impressed with uh, this Calhoun team first of all is really fun to watch offensively he's not the only really good receiver they have they have uh, a tandem of, uh, of receivers that have been really strong here this year but I think one of the things that people are going to be really impressed with with Spear is the athleticism. This is a guy that's got real breakaway speed here, and it becomes easy to imagine how he might be used in the kind of offense that, that Georgia's putting together here this year. They've been pretty creative how they've used the offensive weapons that have been available to them. They've had injuries, of course, but the guys that have played have been used pretty effectively by Todd Munkin and staff. I think when you watch Spear tonight, it's become very easy to imagine how he fits into all of that. And for the people that haven't seen him, the way that he's able to run away from defenses, I think that's going to be one of the things that really stands out right away. Yes, yeah, Spear's great, man. I mean, I'm, I think I'm about one one interview maybe of many away from a really good Cold Spear story I want to tell folks. I mean, his entire senior year has been amazing, and I'm not just talking about the outfit with the spots and what he wore to homecoming last week that he posted on his Instagram. But uh, he had, he's been dealing with a hand injury. He still played a lot of maybe – both sides of the ball, he's made a lot of big plays, uh, explosive plays. I think, you know, one of the things that comes to my mind with Spear is just a ton of explosives. And I, I think folks are kind of going to wonder, okay, is this the next Lad McConkey? Well, I think it's a little different. I think it's like uh, a little bit of you give Lad more size and you give 
you give Ladd maybe some of that Arian Smith speed, maybe not the suddenness and the, the shiftiness and twitch of Ladd, which makes him so special besides his ball skills, ability, and his ability to go up and get the ball. Um, this is a young man that I, I see having a very productive career at Georgia, and it's going to be another thing where this recruiting story goes from, uh, you know, very, very small FCS ability, maybe a Middle Tennessee State, maybe an Army, uh, to, to, you know, to then going to be able to play for a top five team in the country and perform and produce for a top top two, top three team in the country. Um, he looks like he checks every one of the boxes, and you know, everybody looks at Lad McConkey. Well, right now we have to we have to very accurately say that if you had to look at both of those young men as seniors in high school and say who's going to be the better college prospect. I think you give the edge, the edge to Cole Spear. That's not a knock to Ladd at all. It's just I think folks are really going to like what they see tonight on uh, Peachtree TV when Brandon and Rusty have the call watching uh, Cole Spear perform for the Calhoun Yellow Jackets. And, of course, Jeff will be a big part of all that, too, and he'll be with us on the road to Auburn tomorrow. Speaking of that, Jeff, great to have you here on the road. This is by AAA. This was a long one, but a good conversation nonetheless. And I will look forward to seeing you a bunch here this weekend, of course, back next week here on Dog Nation Daily as well. Yeah, and Brandon, for the record, I got to make sure we mentioned Dayon Bowie. He was also in Athens on Saturday. Yep. Some some, recruit, some services still have him as a five star, former Georgia commitment, currently committed to Texas A and M. He 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 was not bashful at all, smiling. He, he wanted everybody to take his picture and know that he was in Athens town on Saturday. So another name. That's another name when you talk about the DB picture and how that all fits in for Georgia. Kamari Wilson was there. Man, I can't believe we had so much stuff to yeah. talk to, Brandon. We didn't have a chance to talk about Kamari, who's still the number one top target for Georgia's entire 2022 class on our Before the Hedges show each and every week. And, man, it was a mouthful, Brandon. But, again, thanks for having me on. Yeah, you get the impression a lot of these conversations aren't going out of style anytime soon. So, good stuff, Jeff. We'll see you tonight. We'll see you tomorrow. And a great weekend on tap. Take it easy, buddy. See you, man. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Yeah, we, we went long with Jeff, and we could have gone, as he said, even longer with all those big names. And, yeah, I mean, I have never felt like George was out of it with Dion Smoke Bowie, for sure. And, obviously, Kamari Wilson, his official visit, a uh, pretty big deal on all that there, too. And we actually talked about Kamari a little bit as a part of our first and 15, which you can see on DogNation.com and the Dog Nation app starting at 945 before the uh, real show kicks off at 10. It's kind of like the pregame show for the show, if you will. And we do it every single morning there. Uh, I want to make you aware of this. You know, we've talked a lot this week about the fact that there's been this ongoing battle between obviously getting ready for Georgia and Auburn battling in the football field on Saturday, but there's also been the battle between the two alumni associations off the field this week trying to raise money, and it's been really fun to watch this go back and forth. We've been showing you the tote board. I feel a little bit like, what is it, Jerry Lewis, you know, kind of doing the uh, the tote board check-in on this. I, we, can, we can check in on our tote board here in terms of the total number of donors between Georgia and Auburn right now. And Georgia still has the lead, although Auburn is narrowing the gap a little bit. Be very careful here. Uh, Georgia has the lead, but Auburn trying to close that gap. 2208 the total for Georgia, 1723 the total donors right now to Auburn. And what this is, it's raising money for the UGA Alumni Association. Obviously, we love telling that story here on this show because we are big believers in what the university does. You know, we talk football, of course, but the impact of the University of Georgia extends far beyond that. I'm talking about the generation of students that go on to become leaders all across the world and the research and the, uh, uh, you know, the all the, you know, you know, incredible innovation that takes place. That's the word I'm looking for. 
I'm looking for the word innovation. I couldn't find that. Research, innovation, all the uh, really cool ideas that come out of the faculty and staff there at the University of Georgia. And we're just proud to have UGA as a flagship institution for our state. And one of the ways that so many of us show our pride in that is by being donors. And right now you can also do that in a fun way to help watch Georgia beat Auburn here in what, what they're calling Beat Week. So let me give you the website to go to here. And it'll make sense when I describe it. It's A-U-V-U-G-A.com. A-U stands for Auburn University. The V obviously stands for versus and the U-G-A. You know what that stands for. A-U-V-U-G-A.com. If you go to that website, A-U-V-U-G-A.com, you can make your donation to the University of Georgia and you can help UGA emerge here as a part of Beat Week as the dogs try to beat the Tigers both on the field and in the donation community there as well. All right, so obviously last week, the big story, you know, was the Lane Kiffin viral comment before the game against Alabama, the get your popcorn ready. I thought it was a silly thing from Kiffin, and I don't mind Kiffin as a play caller. I think he's fun in the SEC, but, you know, last week, Michael Wilbon also called him a clown on ESPN, and frankly, I think that Wilbon emerges as the likely winner of that dust-up because when you say get your popcorn ready and then you blink your eyes, you're down 35 nothing. Clearly, Kiffin wrote a check that his team couldn't cash, and he probably should have known better than that. But one of the things that Kiffin does really well is make lemonade out of lemons here. And so over on social media, he's done a lot of funny stuff related to the popcorn. We'll show you a couple of these there as well. He says thanks to all the Alabama fans who sent him popcorn. You see all the various kinds. First, first of all, I love popcorn, so I'd love nothing more than a big closet full of popcorn. Not the, not the you know, the fake stuff, but the real popcorn, you better believe. I'd love to have that. Um, he also joked with his um, uh, offensive coordinator about the, you know, the popcorn microwave not being plugged in, but also a chance here to kind of make this into a bigger viral moment. So uh, what Kiffin's going to do is he says embrace life. It's too short to be serious. It's okay to laugh at yourself. And so Ole Miss is going to give free popcorn to the first 5,000 fans on Saturday. Uh, and it's going to be in like you know special section there. I believe it's the student section or something. But um, uh, first 5,000 fans get free popcorn there at Ole Miss, and they've got a sponsor helping pay for that. So this is, this is Kiffin's attempt to uh, kind of spin all that with Arkansas coming into town. My guess is is that Sam Pittman may take Lane Kiffin's popcorn and take his lunch money and everything else. I kind of like Arkansas there in that spot there on Saturday. We'll also see the team that beat Ole Miss on Saturday there too. Alabama going to Texas A&M. This is the primetime game for CBS here this year. They probably regret making that decision, but that's the game they have right now. And I think the TV spot actually makes Alabama a little bit more motivated. And one of the things we talked about yesterday was that this is the time of year, kind of like that second Saturday in October, where you typically see Alabama go on the big run. And my presumption is is that Alabama will go on a big run. You know, Right now, there's this thought of, well, is Alabama really Alabama? A lot of people thinking that Georgia is better than Alabama right now, and Georgia might be. Georgia might truly be better than Alabama. But in order to kind of continue to have that perception continue for the rest of the season, I think part of the requirement here is going to be Georgia also raising its level of play because my assumption is Alabama is about to do that. Now, I've heard whispers that privately Alabama knows that it's not quite as dynamic at receiver this year as it has been in the past. And, you know, guys, some are young to the program. Maybe some haven't quite blossomed in the same way. But we haven't seen Alabama be as dynamic at that spot as they've you know been the, the last few years. 
But that notwithstanding, my assumption is Alabama gets a big, dominant win in primetime on Saturday, and all of a sudden the narrative that Alabama's not what it has been in the past, even if it's true, I just think we hear less of that over the course of the next couple of weeks because I get the sense they are about to go on a run. A couple other things here real quick. I saw where Bruce Feldman from The Athletic had a story up recently about Mark Stoops, the Kentucky coach. You know, Obviously, Kentucky's 5-0 and right now, kind of funny. The 4-0 actually wasn't all that impressive, but once you go out there and get the uh, fifth win against Florida last week, all of a sudden there's a lot of media praise coming the way of the Wildcats. They're favored at home this Saturday against LSU. I believe they win that game, probably handle their business there as well. And, you know, Mark Stoops is at Kentucky kind of now what Dan Mullen used to be at Mississippi State. This is the coach that gets the praise from the media for doing the most with the least in the SEC. Kentucky's probably recruited better than you think, but that's still kind of the the brand that he has for himself. And what Feldman has written at The Athletic is, is that he also thinks that this could be the kind of year where Stoops could potentially use this as a springboard to get some big coaching offers in the offseason. If he wants a bigger job in Kentucky, he might be able to get it. Now, obviously, all of this is relevant for Georgia because this is the team coming into Athens next week. And they're going to likely, if they beat LSU on Saturday, which I think they do, they're going to have an even higher ranking than they do now. It's going to be Saturday, 3.30 p.m. That Georgia-Kentucky game, you know, two weeks after the Georgia-Arkansas game was way bigger than most folks could have imagined. There's a really good chance this Georgia-Kentucky game also is way bigger than most folks could have imagined either with the Wildcats potentially being 6-0. and So keep your mind on that. And Stoops maybe being a coach by that time that's getting a lot of attention, at least if you take the Bruce Feldman column to be a hint as where all that's going. And then we'll finish our SEC through by saying this, that Kentucky right now, one of six teams in the SEC, Brandon Zimmerman, who covers this league, had this on Twitter, a pretty good note from him. Here are the six teams in the SEC that control their own destiny, meaning if they win their games, they're in Atlanta for the SEC championship. In the East, it's Georgia, Kentucky, and believe it or not, still Tennessee, obviously Tennessee playing on playing South Carolina on Saturday. And in the West, it's Alabama, it's Arkansas, and still Auburn. Auburn lost to Penn State, almost lost to Georgia State. But in the SEC play, Auburn still has a lot to play for. So those are your six who can be in if they win without any help from anybody else. Alabama, Auburn, Arkansas in the West, Georgia, Kentucky, Tennessee in the East. Good stuff from Brandon Zimmerman on Twitter about that. We'll make that your SEC through. And here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger, we do this a lot. We'll shout out our friends at the Long Drink here in a minute. But uh, we do this uh, a lot on the uh, – program on a friday we like to give you a lot of um a lot of golden shoes right sometimes they kind of build up over the course of the week it gets hard to honor them a lot uh during the week so with this you've heard like a friday news dump before you can think of this as kind of our friday shoes dump a lot of pretty funny ones here let's go ahead and give you a uh the first one of those here today and a lot of these will be auburn themed today let's see the first one so rodney hewitt and a few other folks shared this with me dustin Kreider shared this with me as well uh, wise dog had this on twitter i guess auburn folks were at tumor's corner last week after uh celebrating the win at lsu they still took to tumor's corner they rolled the trees and there was video out there of some auburn folks saying that we want georgia uh and what rodney hewitt says i can't believe this hasn't been brought up in the show yet they're about to get what they're asking for and rodney predicts a 31-3 win for the dogs he says uh, dogs on top for Saturday. So Rodney and the others who shared that will make you golden shoe winners because of that. How about our next golden shoe winner on this Friday? 
The phrase, let's go Brandon, has gained some fame on the internet over the last few days for reasons that I won't fully explain here on this show. Uh, But some of you have used this as a way of kind of having some fun with me. So Chip Gromlich (laughs) sent me a let's go Brandon thing. So I'll give a shout out to that for a chip. And we'll make Chip a golden shoe uh, winner and all that. We'll just kind of leave it at that as to why that's even a thing on the internet right now. Donnie Penton making some fun of Florida here. He says Florida fans still celebrating those close losses and you see the Gator and you see the Kentucky and the Alabama and at the end it's the uh you know we almost had you there so uh Donnie having some fun with the uh with the Florida Gators and all of that so we'll make Donnie a golden shoe winner for today how about our next one here for a moment they keep getting more this is actually maybe my favorite one so you've got Kirby Smart's son holding up the sign now he did that last week to great effect after Arkansas but the sign he's holding up here with Jordan Davis in the background pointing it says it's pronounced Jordan Obviously, this is a reference to the stadium that Auburn plays in, which is pronounced Jordan Hare Stadium. Now, I've got some uh, J-O-R-D-A-N relatives on my uh, dad's side, and so they also were Jordans when I was growing up, and I always think that was a little bit weird because the only other Jordan I knew back then was Michael Jordan. Uh, But nonetheless, this has been a thing in the South for a while, and Kirby Smart's son there to remind you that it's pronounced Jordan and not Jordan. Uh, that's really good from uh, Mark uh, Duraney on this. We'll make him a, a golden shoe winner for that. Really, really funny all the way around. I think we have one. Yeah, this is our last one. This comes from Brian Whitehead. Now, let me say this. For those of you who have been concerned about too much rat poison for UGA because of the things the program's been doing, Brian Whitehead shares a T-shirt for Bo Nix because of the play that he ran last week against LSU. And it's like the diagram of the play, the T-shirt. And I'm explaining this for those listening radio podcast. It says the Bo Nix experience. Brian White's in to say, how do you celebrate one play? Wonder what this Bo Nix experience is going to be looking like after this week. So that's really good stuff from Brian Whitehead and very funny all the way around. We will make him a golden shoe winner there as well. And with that, we'll wrap up the program. And as we do so, let me also give a shout out to my friends at the Finish Long Drink. Obviously a great choice. You're heading towards that weekend. Four different varieties. It comes in the black can. That's the Long Drink Strong. Cranberry, the Long Drink Cranberry. My wife loves that. Uh, a lot of folks there in those Athens bars can't get enough of that too. You got Long Drink Zero, the traditional there as well. You know, it comes from Finland in the 1950s, part of the summer games there in Helsinki. Been in the United States for a couple of years. Now it's available wherever you are all across the state of Georgia, thelongdrink.com, for a lot more details on that. So make sure you check out thelongdrink.com. Also check us out tonight, Peachtree TV, for high school football, Blessed Trinity and Calhoun. It is a really good and big-time region clash between these two teams. That's a lot of fun. We'll see you before the game tomorrow in Auburn for the Kroger kickoff, after the game for our Dog Nation postgame show presented by the UGA Bookstore. It's going to be a busy, fun weekend with tons of football can't wait for all of it good luck to the braves today in the playoffs there as well and a gator hater countdown how about 22 days from right now we will see georgia beat florida and see will be auburn tomorrow and see you back here on dog nation daily presented by kroger again on monday enjoy the weekend everybody and on the podcast time now for the rs anders podcast cool down we're going to do a quick one of these and i apologize today we got to get ready for a busy friday i, I do want to 
reference a comment that goes back to last night's edition of Cover 4 Live, which we got you know pretty good feedback on. People seem to enjoy that show last night. Our buddy Ed OG on Twitter, who always has a lot of good tweets, writes and said that the MVP for Georgia thus far has been Jordan Davis. And if UJ wins a national championship, it's going to remain him. It's a domino effect. It all begins with 99 up front. And you already know everything I'm about to lay out. Teams can't run because of him, and the rest of the defense feasts. Uh, he says there are three and outs, turnovers, better field position, offense gets more chances and higher quality chances. They also have a far greater tolerance if they are struggling for any point at the time when the defense is bailing them out. The team is all about connection this year, each guy playing for the other. Who better symbolizes that than Jordan Davis? I actually agree with almost everything that Ed OG says right there. I do believe that Davis has been Georgia's MVP. We talked about this last night on Cover 4 Live. Now, Mike Griffith, the name that he mentioned, which I thought was pretty interesting as well, was Brock Bowers. I want to see Georgia get back to Bowers on Saturday. I think that's really important. Uh, what he's done through the first four games was obviously crucial for Georgia offensively, and you want to see that kind of continue for him. But ultimately, you can't really make an argument for anybody beyond Davis for all the reasons that Ed, who goes by Ronald Acuna on Twitter, you can't make a better case than what Davis brings to the table when you take away the running game it just forces teams to be a lot more one-dimensional and obviously I'm as much as anyone on this show all the time talking about how important the passing attack has become in college football here in this kind of 2021 era in which we live and yet if you're a team that's forced to be a one-dimensional passing attack it just becomes easier to stop that no team wants to play without the ability to run the football over the course of time, as Ed points out. It increases the likelihood that you're going to get threes and out. And if you could only know one thing about a game, who had the most three and out situations, that's a pretty strong predictor for who won that game. When you get three and out multiple times during a game, your chance of of, of winning that game is greatly reduced, greatly diminished. That's a very, very important part of all of this uh, 100% true uh, agree with almost all of that and it's kind of fun right now that the overall debate about who Georgia's team MVP is the fact that it's a little bit difficult to decipher kind of shows you as smart said there's no superstar right now but there's no superstar because so many guys could be a superstar and for me both symbolically and tangibly there's there's no more valuable name than Davis on this team right now I think that's 100% true he's the one guy that just doesn't have an obvious backup. Obviously, the the other name that you mentioned there is quarterback, and I'm not going to say that nose guard's more important than quarterback, but there's really not a guy waiting the wings with the apologies to Zion Logue, and it's why you there's not a guy waiting in the wings who you say, well, that's your next Jordan Davis. It's just hard to replicate Davis. It's why that, that, that in recruiting you're always looking for that big nose guard, but also the guy that can be athletic there from that spot too. It's just a valuable commodity to have. And Davis has clearly had it for Georgia. And so I have no problem with the emphatic argument in favor of him through five games being Georgia's MVP thus far. We'll have to leave our conversation there for right now. It's a fun one to have on our program today. Make sure you check out R.S. Andrews at rsandrews.com for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, and electric needs. They make this portion of our show possible. And they'll also bring you Go With The Flow presented by R.S. Andrews. If you're normally a podcast listener, you may want to check out the Dog Nation video channels on Friday afternoon for Go With The Flow as the Dog Nation team along with Dari Payro from R.S. Andrews. And Dari's got a winning record now, I think going on three years making picks. He's really good at that. Uh, we'll do that each and every Friday on the Dog Nation video channels. It's Go With The Flow presented by R.S. Andrews. They keep the air conditioning flowing through your vents, the water flowing through your pipes, 
You can trust R.S. Andrews. Find them online, rsandrews.com. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the game. I'll see you from Auburn tomorrow on video all day long. High school football tonight on TV, Petrie TV, CBS46.com. And, of course, back here Monday for Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. Have a great weekend, everybody.